trust you had a wonderful Christmas. We did in our home and hope that you did too. I just wanted to mention that through the fall, we started a Saturday evening service back in September. We're not going to be doing the Saturday evening service uh, January, February. It's been dropping, dropping, dropping in numbers. We have a committee set up that's going to take a look at what we will do instead of Saturday evening. So just to put that word out there. So we may have to, we do need a third service on the weekend. And uh, stay tuned, we'll let you know just when that will be. <clears throat> we may have to put out an SOS every week at 9 and 11. Shove over some, SOS. Pretty bad, wasn't it? You've had too much turkey. Are you still eating leftover turkey? I'm thinking of writing a book on, <clears throat> title of it would be, booklet maybe, not a book, on what to do with leftover turkey. And here are some of the chapter titles. Turkey soup, hot turkey sandwiches, cold turkey sandwiches, turkey salad, turkey casserole, turkey stew, turkey pot pie, stir-fried turkey, only halfway through the book, turkey quiche, deep-fried turkey nuggets, turkey chili, ground turkey burgers, pulled turkey, and turkey jerky. I've had enough of turkey, I guess. It's good that most of us perhaps will not have to look at turkey again, maybe until Thanksgiving. Well, enough talk of leftover turkey, but I do want to talk to you for a few minutes this morning about Christmas leftovers. We're going to revisit briefly the four stories that we've been looking at all through the Advent series, the four Sundays of Christmas. We're going to visit each of them and look at Christmas leftovers. Did you ever wonder what was left over for the shepherds after that most fantastic, amazing night of their lives? The angel appearance, then an army of angels, then the trip to Bethlehem where they saw the promised Messiah, the hope of the ages. Did you ever wonder for the shepherds what was left over, what was left for them? And those exotic guests from the faraway eastern land. They've been called wise men, magi, kings. For months, they followed a star after probably studying the scriptures for years, and they encountered, when they arrived, a rather scary King Herod, and then they arrived and found the newborn king of the Jews. Do you ever wonder what was left over for those wise men? Whatever happened to them? And then what about Mary? What was left over for her after her traumatic, exciting, exhilarating nine months? Beginning with the angel's words, blessed are you among women. Two, she gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him in snug, snugly in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. What then? And then what of Jesus' stepfather, Joseph? The scripture records, you ever notice this? The scripture records not one solitary word coming from Joseph's mouth, not a word. But what an unbelievable few months for him. What's next for Joseph? What's left over for him? So come with me now for these next few minutes and let's take a closer look at some Christmas leftovers. 
Four things I want you to notice this. I want you to notice first that the shepherds were left over. The shepherds were left with the routine of life. They went back to their ordinary life. You could even say their mundane life. The shepherds went back to their same old, same old. Luke tells us that after seeing him, meaning the Christ child, the shepherds told everyone what had happened. Do you ever wonder what next? Did they do a tour of northern Africa telling their story to all who would listen? No, I'm afraid not. Verse 20 says this about the shepherds. They went back to their flocks. Back to their flocks. Back to shepherding. Maybe you know this, but the shepherds would have been at the bottom of the social and economic ladder in that culture. They went back to their same old routine, to their far less than minimum wage paid job. Now, I did leave out one phrase in the story of the shepherds where it says, the shepherds went back to their flocks glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard. But how long did that last? I wonder when I think of the shepherds, did they kind of tire of telling the story over and over? Did the routine of life back with the sheep, did it kind of steal their joy and their passion? Because you see, for those shepherds, there were no more angel choirs for these guys. Just the routine of keeping sheep. Did you ever hear of the little book called The Fred Factor? Not a big book, but it's an interesting book. Fred was a postal worker who had a relationship with the people on his route. He knows them by name. So for Fred, it was a lot more than just delivering mail, uh, as mundane as that could be. Not for Fred. He protects their mail. He sees it as his passion to watch out for them, their mail, and their homes. And he goes the extra mile by establishing relationships and treating all the people on his route with respect. Do you know a Fred? Do you have a Fred in your life? Sure you do. She's the supermarket checkout girl with the big smile who strikes up a conversation with your six-year-old. He's the clerk who finds your debit card that you left in the machine, looks you up in the phone book, tracks you down, calls you, and then hangs on to it until you make your way back to the store. He's the cable guy who hooks up your satellite TV and then sits down and spends 15 minutes doing something that's absolutely not his job, showing you how to work that DVD player that you never did have figured out. There was an older man who worked for Wycliffe Bible Translators, and he was in maintenance. So this guy spent his day doing repairing motors, fixing leaking sinks, cleaning floors, whatever odd job needed to be done. But when he was asked, what do you do? He always responded, I'm into Bible translation. And he would be correct because every person on that team was working towards the larger goal, which was bigger than any one person of putting the Bible into the hands of people all around the world. Hear me this morning. The routine of life, the routine of your life, should take on extra significance when you realize the larger goal, which is this, wherever you are in your everyday life, God wants you right where you are, where you are. You're part of his master plan there. For those shepherds, I'm suggesting to you that once they came to Bethlehem and worshiped the child, 
their routine of life was never ordinary again. When a new lamb was born, how could they not think of the newborn Christ child, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world? When, when, when shepherds they never met appeared on the hill over yonder, wouldn't one of those shepherds who came to Bethlehem that night say, let's go over. Let's go over and tell them about that night. Years later, many years later, perhaps when the night was late and the fire was low and sleep was near, do you suppose one of those original shepherds said, guys, it's been over 20 years. Do you think one of these days we're going to hear from that baby that was born so long ago? Hear me this morning. Once you've met Jesus No routine of life can ever quite be the same again. He transforms life with a small L into life with a capital L. Well, let's leave the shepherds now. Let's ask this question. What was left over for the wise men? Not much, really. I'm suggesting to you this morning that the wise men were left with nothing but silence. Matthew chapter 2 reads, you know the story. They entered the house, and they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then what? Well, we're told this. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Then what? Nothing. They disappear from the pages of Scripture, never to be heard from again. They left Israel, the land of that newborn king of the Jews, and the Scripture just dismisses them with these words. They return to their own country. Many months travel away. They return, they left the land where the baby would one day grow up to be a man, a Messiah. When? Nothing. They don't know. What kind of king? Silence. They go back to their country and probably never, ever again heard news from Israel. No tweets, no Facebook, no CTV or CBC, not even a postcard from Mary and Joseph saying something like this, scary time back here. We had to run to Egypt to escape Herod. Signed, Joe. Nothing. Nothing for them except silence. You've all heard the expression, silence can be golden. Well, three hermits went out and lived in a cave. And they promised each other that they would, they would keep silent, that they would never speak. After several years of silence, one of the boys saw a cow that remind him, uh, reminded him of his youth. And he said, he spoke up and said, I am reminded of the days of old. A year passed. And one of the other hermits spoke up and said, so am I. Another year passes. And the third hermit spoke up and said, if you two can't keep the silence, I'm going to have to leave. Silence can be a good thing. But when God is silent, what then? They left Israel when Jesus was a baby. Think about this. He was a baby when they left Israel to go back to Persia. And it was... 30 years before anyone hears anything. 30 years. 30 years of silence. 
That's a long time to wait for God. It's a long time to wait for a promise to be fulfilled. If these wise men were not young men when they saw the Christ child, they, have, they may have grown old and died during the silent years. Let me ask you something this morning. Have you, have you ever experienced the silence of God in your life? It can be tough. If you ever experienced some hope, some expectation, some prayer that you've been praying and you didn't hear a yes and you didn't hear a no, it was just silence, nothing. Unfortunately, God doesn't measure time like we do. The writer of the author of the Psalms gives us, of a, gives us a clue when he writes these words, 1,000 years in your sight are like a single but a single day that passes by for God. But for us, it's often the other way around. A day can seem like a thousand years. But as surely as the sun will come up tomorrow, the night will end and God will speak and the silence will be no more. We must just trust him. Here's a third Christmas leftover this morning. I want to mention there are four. I want you to notice that Mary was left with questions. Just questions without answers. Questions, questions, more questions. The angel told her, you are highly favored. You will be with child. The Savior will be born to you. We're all familiar with those words. And that angel didn't exactly give her a detailed plan for the next 33 years, however. She had to have questions like, will my little boy be like every other little boy? Will I ever be able to teach this Messiah, the Christ, anything? Will, will it be obvious as he grows up that he's no ordinary child? What's ahead for him? What will his toddler years, his years as a child, his teen years be like? What's ahead for me? If I'm so blessed, Mary had to be asking among women, why in the world do I have all these questions? Luke tells us, gives us a clue, he says this, Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. And then she set her course and just kept her belief, kept her trust, and just kept on keeping on. It was just before Christmas, five years ago, when I was asked to speak at Gabriella's funeral. I was her pastor at Corbett Avenue, just down the road from 07 till 11. She was only 34. She had a history of health issues, none of which would ever be considered terminal, and suddenly she died. She was an only child. Her parents were devastated. Unanswered questions filled the room when I spent time with the family. How can this be? What's the, what's the future? Where is God in all of this? Where do we go from here? And yet, as I spent time with the dad and the mom, all their questions, all their uncertainty, all their confusion, like Mary, only drove them deeper into the arms of the God they loved and the God who loved them. And they were left. The dad and mom were left with a determined, steadfast intent to follow him no matter what. Do you have questions? 
Do you ever have questions for which you have no answers? Do you deal at times with doubt, which you wonder, could these doubts overwhelm my faith? Listen carefully to me this morning. Doubts are not the opposite of faith. The opposite of faith is unbelief. Doubt is just an obstacle that every one of us deals with as we move along through our faith journey. Actually, dealing with doubts can strengthen your faith. My word for you is hang in there. One more left over this morning. I want to talk briefly about Joseph. Joseph, what was left over for Joseph after that first Christmas? He was left with trouble. Trouble, trouble, and more trouble. The angel tells him that the baby in Mary's womb is conceived by the Holy Spirit. He can't tell that to his family. Can you imagine? Can you imagine telling that to the guys at the carpenter shop? He can't tell them that. And so he suffers a, a tremendous loss of respect. He's in an engagement period with his to-be, wife-to-be, Mary, and for her to be pregnant during that time would be a great, great disgrace in that culture. And Joseph just had to bear it. Trouble. Then Herod goes on a rampage killing infants because uh, infants, and he becomes a stepdad now on the run to Egypt. Then Herod dies and is replaced by his even more wicked son, Antipas, becomes the king. And so Joseph can't return to his hometown, so he lives in a little town of Nazareth, far, far from his family and friends. But Joseph's trouble, trouble or no trouble, he just kept on keeping on. He just did what the angel commanded, being a good dad to Jesus and the children who came later, being a good husband to Mary, providing for his family, trouble or not. An elderly lady in the deep south of the United States was talking to her friends about her favorite scripture verse. She said, I'm always blessed by the words when I'm reading scripture, when I come to the words, and it came to pass. She said, when I was upset by troubles, I go to the Bible, and I never get far before I read these words, it came to pass, and I say, bless the Lord, it didn't come to stay. It came to pass. And here's the best thing I can tell you about life's troubles today. They will pass. Hold steady. I have a pastor friend who pastors the Wesleyan Church in Woodstock. His wife's name is Sherry. Sherry's mother went to heaven. It's been several years now, but it sticks in my mind because she sent a report of the death and of the funeral to our district superintendent who publishes a weekly email that some of you in this room got, get called It's Monday Again. And in that, Sherry is quoted as saying this, these words, My mother will be able to enjoy Christmas this year with the original cast. Quite a thought, don't you think? You recall who's in that original cast? Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, the wise men, even as I speak. 
they are today with the original cast, all of their leftovers, all behind them. No more troubles. Here's my final word for you this morning before we pray. Christmas comes and goes, leaving us with leftovers. Christ comes and stays. Let's stand for prayer before we worship together. Father, you look down at us today and you see us sometimes after the the thrill and the high of the celebration of the Christ child and then we go home to our families and we celebrate and we give gifts and it's a time of partying and much joy and then we return to the routine of life and even psychologists tell us that this season of the year can be a downtime because just having passed such a great high in our lives. I pray for believers in the routine of life that you would, that you would help us with our everyday routine to see it's all part of your plan for us to live for you and serve you and shine our light in our homes, in our communities, in the workplace. Father, there's some here in this place today that are dealing with what... They don't know where you're leading. They don't hear your voice. They've prayed a prayer and they hear no yes and they hear, they don't hear a no. They hear nothing. And Father, I pray that you would hold them steady. May they learn to trust you even when they can't trace you. I pray for those in this congregation here this morning dealing with questions questions, questions that seem to have no answers, and the questions have led to doubts. And some in this room are, are dealing with doubts that they would be hesitant to mention to those they know and love the most, feeling that this should not be, they should not have these doubts. Father, I pray that you would help them work through their doubts to a stronger faith than others than ever. And I pray for those experiencing troubles today. Father, you know life is full of troubles. And we have a whole litany of the saints through the ages that did not have an easy life, but constantly we're dealing, we're dealing with troubles. Help us to hold on and trust you, we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.